We're supposed to look what he did so we can continue to look and see what he's doing now. He made it possible for us to do it. So help me out. Everybody, everybody throw your hands up and say, look, look what he did. So now you can look what he's doing. All right. So you got that? All right. So, so that's what like like later on, man, Rena, to, uh, to, to later, man, when everybody's missing it, everybody's missing it. Just go. That's it. All right. Show, show, Mary, show me your little like, you know, incognito. Look what he did, man. Look what he did. All right. Cool. In fact, at the restaurant, if, if you go today, go. And they're like, what are you talking about? Just go to the waitress and then you can tell her the Christmas story. So one more time on count of three. I want, I want man, some enthusiasm. All right. And then I'll let you sit down. I promise. Look. Oh, wait, wait. I said on count of three, right? All right. One, two. Y'all would stink at Simon Says. I'm just saying. But. All right, one, two, three, look what he did. Amen. Grab a seat. All right. And that's really what it's about at Christmas. We, we look back to see what he did. And, and if we get what he did, if we get it right as to what he did, then our life is continually about looking to see what he is doing every moment. Bob, is he wasting a single moment? Is he ever not doing something in your life? No. And in, in, in fact, right now, uh, you're, you're, you're chewing some food, right? Eating that cookie. Are you thinking about, oh, no, now I need to swallow. Okay, now I need to enact these muscles, man. I need to, you know, and then I need to, pro I'm going to be thinking about the digestive system the whole way. Are you thinking about any of that? Man, look what he's done, man. He's always doing stuff. But don't miss what he's done. That's what he did at Christmas. He made it possible for him to live inside of us so that we can always see what he is doing. He created us to bring him glory. He created us to have fellowship with him. He created us to fall in love with him. So again, one more time while you're sitting. Let's see if you can do this while we're sitting. One more time. Look what he did. That's it. Just look what he did. That's awesome. I said that a bunch of times on Indian River Drive today about some drivers in front of me. I'm like, look what he did, <laughs> right? But now we need to start changing that to God. Look what he did. Look what he did. You got that, Mac? Mac, let, let me see your look what he did, man. This is the expand. The ex yeah, that, this is the quick version. Boom. Marley, show him how quick you can do the look what he did. Boom, boom, boom. That's it. Man, you know what? You're at the beach with your mom. You had to be. Teach us the maverick, man. And something crazy happens. Something just undeniable happens. Just go, boom, look what he did. Remind each other about what he did. He's made it possible through Christmas for us to see this on a daily basis. So let's go back to the story. You guys know it by heart. I would encourage you to read it every Christmas out of, out of the Luke chapter 2. But today we're going to look to see what he did. And um, in all of this. So look what God did. God turned the entire world upside down so his word would be true. Super quick. Let's look at Micah 5 verse 2. Not preaching on it, but this was a prophecy. And uh, this is the prophecy why Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. It says, but to you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, this little podunk kind of subdivision, if you would, you know, it said you're too little to be among the clans of Judah, but from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel. It goes on to say whose coming forth is from old, 
from ancient of days. So this is the prophecy of Christ and why he would be, have to be born in Bethlehem. So I want you to think about this. Mary and Joseph, again, they're way up in the Sea of Galilee, all right? And not only up in the Sea of Galilee, but they're in some podunk little town called Nazareth. Hey, what good comes out of Nazareth, y'all? Except Christ, right? And, and, and in fact, again, like we talked about last week, there were a bunch of Jesuses. There were, that was one of the most common. Everybody was a Jesus. But there was only, Nazareth was so little. There was only one Jesus in Nazareth. That's how he was identified. And, and again, God wanted us to know that, you know what? We, we make a lot of excuses. Oh, I'm not in the right city. I'm not in the right place. I'm not in the right market. I'm not in the right, I'm not. No, it doesn't matter. If you're with him, you are in the right everything. Amen? And so, again, Nazareth. They're in Nazareth. I mean, they didn't even have hardly a wealth. They did not even have a dollar general, right? I mean, that's how bad off they were. And so, here it was, man, Nazareth. And now, what God had to do was get this pregnant lady, this pregnant lady and her husband who just found out she was pregnant, right? And fortunately, God gave him a dream and said, hey, I'm the father of this baby. And he was a righteous man. He believed it. And there's all kinds of talk going on in Nazareth. He had to get them. How much money do you think Joseph and Mary had? Do you think they were loaded? You think they were just, oh, dude, we'll just go get a flight to get a flight to hear from there. No. They couldn't get an Uber, man. They couldn't get anything. They couldn't get a ride. Hey, by the way, what did Mary ride on, y'all? What did he ride on? What she ride on? Oh, some of you were here last week, man. And you know she did not. We don't know that she rode on a donkey. We just don't know what she rode on, you know. But she probably did ride on a donkey. But the point is, is that he got, they had to get, it's, it's 70 to 80 miles. It would be like taking, uh, uh, where's uh, Skylar and Emily? It'd be like you guys leaving on Christmas morning, tomorrow morning at, at 3 a.m. and having to walk to Fort Lauderdale. That's about how far it was. And there were no major roads, no hitchhiking, no nothing. And so God had to get them from up there down to there. Would, would they just take a trip for any reason? She's pregnant, dude. She's fixing the bust, all right? That's, the Bible said she's great with child. And so would they just say, hey, today's a great day to take a vacation, Chuck, a great day to go to Mexico and have a surf trip, right? No, she's fixing the bus. So God's got to orchestrate this. First of all, he's got to get them there, but he's got to kind of orchestrate this somehow. And so what God does is he takes the most powerful ruler in the universe, the most powerful political ruler in the universe. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot about Caesar Augustus, but he, he really was kind of a good guy for this. For years and years and years, Rome has had civil wars. They, man, their economy was a bust. Their, their buildings were dilapidated. Everything was messed up, and Caesar Augustus was trying to build it up. He, he said he had a saying. He inherited uh, bricks, and he turned it into marble. And so Caesar Augustus was trying to build stuff up. He was, he was a good guy trying to do this. But then at the end, he killed off his wives and his kids. There's a long story, man. It's just power. But he was the most powerful man in the entire universe. He was more powerful than our president. He was more powerful than our governor. He was more powerful than George Soros. 
He was more powerful than the Rothschilds. He was more powerful than whoever the elites are. He's more powerful than, if you could think of the most powerful person you know, he was more powerful than them. And, and so he, it says, in those days, he made a decree. So here he is in his ivory palace, the most powerful man. In fact, the world looked at him as a political savior. You heard that word lately? Do you think there's anybody in this world looking for a political savior? Looking for, and I'm not saying we don't do what we do in the elections and so on, but I'm telling you, your savior is not political. Your savior is Jesus Christ. And we do what we can do in the political realm of things, but our Savior is not political. They had a, the most powerful political Savior who was going to fix things, and everybody in the world was looking to him for all the solutions. He's in his ivory palace, in his ivory palace making an edict. Here I am, Caesar Augustus, which when he got that name, it actually made him a god. <laughs> he called himself a god in making that name. And so uh, uh, here I am in the most powerful man in the universe in my ivory palace making an edict. I am in control of the entire universe. So he thought he was in control of Rome, but God was in control of the world. And guess who's in control of everything right now, y'all? Who's in control of everything right now? God Almighty is. I don't care what any of the political, any of the, I don't care what the European, uh, the, uh, Oh, World Economic Forum. What's that dude's name? Klaus Schwab? <laughs> you, we're, guy's going to get us to eat bugs, Terry, right? Guy's going to get us to have nothing and we will like it. <laughs> that, that's the goal with Prince King Charles, all those guys. But guess who's really in charge? God's in charge. In those, decree, in those days, Caesar Augustus, the political savior, was nothing more than a pawn to get our spiritual savior to where he needed to be to be born. To get God where he needed to be. God got God where he needed to be to be born. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the, how much, who? Ian, what's that say? All the what? The world. That's all the world. Can you imagine somebody so powerful that they could make an edict to get all of the, all of the what? Not, not just the little city. All of the world. Can you imagine somebody who could globally organize everybody in the world? I mean, it wasn't global then, but all of the known world. That's a powerful man. Again, he made that edict to get all of the world to be registered for his purposes. He wanted them registered. It was for taxes, military, just kind of know what he had. But here he was, the most, uh, the most powerful man in the universe. So he thought. Who's the most powerful person in the universe? Hey, hey, Mac, let's practice this, all right? You ready? You ready? You got to throw the right hand up, too. The most powerful person in the world? I'm just giving Mac a random question. I, hey, Mac, he was sleeping. Who's the most powerful person in the world? God, if I ever ask you a question and you were sleeping, the answer is what, Mac? God. All right, let's try that with everybody, all right? Let's see who looks like they're sleeping right now. All right. So anyways, the most powerful person in the universe is who? God. There you go. Don't you ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. Because the media, the news, the everything, you're, dude, who's the most powerful person in your condo association? <laughs> yeah, don't forget that. Dude, they, the, have you ever had a president who thought he was the most powerful person in the universe, in your, you know, your condo universe? Yes, obviously, but it's God. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the what, Ian? The world, this is a big deal, should be registered. But who's orchestrating it all? 
God, good answer. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Syria, he's just giving us that. We're not going into that because it's all about God and Jesus at this point. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Man, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but man, God orchestrated the world leader, the most powerful people in this world to, to do something, and God had a purpose for it. And it was to get little Mary and Joseph from up in the Sea of Galilee, 70, 80 miles down the Jordan River, down around the Dead Sea, outside of Jerusalem, 10, 15 miles outside of Jerusalem, to a little, another tiny podunk place named what? Bethlehem. Selma, what does Bethlehem mean? I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Bethlehem. That doesn't help you. You don't know. Oh, my goodness. How does she not know that? She knows everything. Beth Lechem. Okay, I'll give you how. Uh, uh, Beth means house. Okay. Oh, what? What are here? Yeah, so house of bread. He had to get Jesus down to the house of bread. Why in the world would Christ be born in the house of bread? Because he's the what? The bread of life. That's what God had. So all the world went down to be registered to their own town. Selma, what does Beth Lechem mean again? Yes, you know what, man? You don't have to know everything, but you just got to know where to find it, all right? And, and, and you're, you're, you're a quick learner, man. That didn't take you long to learn Hebrew, man, at all. That's awesome. Beth, so anytime you see Beth, that's house, right? And Lechem is bread, all right? So uh, anyways, all the world went to be registered to, its, to their own town. And so, man, how can that be an encouragement to us? Who's in control of everything, it is, let me ask you a question. I'm not trying to get political because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what party or whatever, but the Speaker of the House, how important is that? Huge in our government, but in the scheme of world things, are they really in charge of everything? No, they are nothing but pawns in the hand of Almighty God. Ben, I don't know, do you ever do new construction where you've got a contractor who is Caesar Augustus? He's the contractor. He's on the job. He is God. Brandon, you ever have a homeowner? They are God. And you're working there trying to like, you guys are almost going to charge me more because I helped you, right? No. <laughs> but, but yeah, again, every, every bit of Chuck, you ever build a surfboard for somebody who thinks they're God? God's in charge. We've always got to remind ourselves that God's in charge. We live for an audience of one that's way easier than trying to please an audience of everyone. Somebody once said, guarantee how you can fail. Guaranteed recipe for failure. Try to please everyone. Guaranteed recipe on how to put, isn't that right, Steve? Guaranteed recipe on how to fail is try to please everyone. Any, do you have any people pleasers in here besides Ashley? No. <laughs> Who are people pleasers? Let me see your hands. People pleasers. You'd raise your hand because I want to please you. I want to raise my hand. Yeah, dude, Sophie, get this. Get this, Sophie. The way to feel like a loser and to have a low self-esteem and feel unsuccessful is to try to please everyone. But guess what? Who is the only one you need to please? Oh, Mac knows the answer. Who's the only one you need to please? Everybody, who's the only one you need to please? <laughs> God. And if you please, Sophie, look, she's all shy now. If you please God, man, he makes everything work out. Matthew 6, he said, man, don't worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to wear, where you're at. Don't worry about any of those things. He said, 
He said this, but that's what the people who don't have me worry about. But you seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what you seek. You seek that. And he says, what's going to be added to y'all? Everything. Everything is everything. And can God add everything? Yeah. So you seek first, seek only, seek always him. He's the one you need to please. Man, you ever see anybody suck up to political leaders? You ever see anybody suck up to people who, who have power? You know, people who, who, you know, schmooze with all the people who have power to try to get something done? Dude, who do you need to be doing all your schmoozing with? The Savior. Yeah, schmoozing with the Savior, man. That should be a t-shirt, right? And uh, oh, you're going to probably get a tattoo on the inside of your lip from that one, right? Smooth. Oh, that was her. Yeah, the little lanyard, man. Well, do you have one yet? There you go, schmoozing with the Savior. There's your new tattoo right there. All right. So anyways, they all went to be registered, each to their own town. That's how God, he moved the world. Sean, if he moved the biggest, most politically powerful man in the universe to do that, can he move anybody that needs to move to get you, your situation straight? Whatever your situation is, you don't even have to know what your situation is. God already even knows that. There's nothing too big for God. And as he told us last week, between Elizabeth, an old lady getting pregnant naturally with her old husband, and a virgin of 12 years old being pregnant, he said, if your problem lies between those two, Sean, he said, you're good because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. But you got to live to please that audience of one. All went to be registered, each to his own town. So everybody, man, look what God did. He moved the biggest people in this universe. Man, I, what I'm trying to say is this, that you're going to have opportunities to try to please all kinds of people, to get all kinds of things done. And there's nothing wrong with pleasing people as long as you don't have to violate what God has asked you to do. But when you start violating God's principles, you start violating God's rules, you start start violating who you were created that you were saved to be which is a representative of him when you sacrifice all of that just to get something temporal you temporal you have made a mistake god sometimes sets things up that are so impossible that when it gets solved only he can get blamed for it and we don't give him the chance we look into oh it's impossible god take it away he didn't take it away so we we make bad mistakes Wait on God. Wait on him. He's using these things to get you closer to him. If this is you and this is God, sell him another one. This, dude, I know this is physics, right? Maybe physics, but uh, why are you rolling your eyes? I thought you were an expert at that. If this is you and this is God and you don't let pressure get between you, what does that do? What does that do between you and God? It pushes you closer together. But what happens if you let pressure get between you and God? It pushes you apart. Yeah, I told you you were a smart girl, man. Yeah, it, it pushes. That's it. Don't let pressure get between you and God. Who's in charge, y'all? And he proves it in this in order to get himself born in Bethlehem, the, the house of what? The house of bread. Look at how quick she is on that, man. I, All right, I'll quit picking on you in a minute. <laughs> a few minutes. All right, but man, if God's that powerful... He's the same God. He's in charge of everything. Here's a problem in theology. And this is where theology is going. 
Oh, come to Jesus and he'll fix your marriage. Wait, what? Come to Jesus and he'll fix your life. Come to Jesus, he'll, he'll pay your bill. Come to Jesus, he'll fix, he'll fix, he'll fix, he'll fix, he'll fix. You know what? Maybe he won't. Come to Jesus, he'll heal you. Maybe he won't. We don't come. Rena, did you marry Russ for his money? <laughs> I'm just saying. Would it be right to marry somebody for their money? Chuck, would it be right to marry somebody for their money? No. But that's how many people have a relationship with God. They've married him for his money for what he's got to offer, for all of that, instead of who he is. Our theology needs to be about learning about how big and how awesome and how mighty God is and knowing that you have a chance to get out of the family of Adam and be in his family and be in his family and, and be married to Christ. And if you're married to Christ, does it matter how big the crisis that comes into your life? Lord, does it matter? No, because he's big, he's mighty, he's all. Is there anything he can't do? No. That's why our theology has got to keep going back to how big and how mighty and how awesome God is. So on that note, worship aerobics, guys, you ready? Ian, lead, lead your whole family off, man. You guys ready? Look what he did. <laughs> That's it. What, tell me your first name. I see you on Facebook all the time. I know you're... Your worship leader up of Delaware and all, which, I got it. What's your first name again? Anna. All right. I didn't know because your name's like this long on Facebook. So I wasn't sure which name to call you. Anna. Yeah. Look what God's done. That's it. If, if we know what he did at Christmas, man, then we can see what God is doing all year long. Don't miss it. If you have a big God, is anything too big for that God? No. I posted something not too long ago that got a lot of response to it, and, and I'm going to try to sort of quote it. It's hard to hear God. Anybody remember that one? Anybody see that one? It's hard to hear God when you already know what you want him to say. Anybody ever been there? It's hard to hear God when you already know what you want him to say. Because you know what? He might just not say what you want him to say. Somebody else posted something the other day, and I felt like responding, and I said, no, I'm not going to hold back, you know, as a, a new believer, but they're getting into some theology where, like, I'm claiming this, this is good. You see a lot of this all this new year. Oh, new year, nothing shall stand against me, and they're taking scripture out of context, I'm just going to say that. But the point is, is that, man, this year I'm claiming it for prosperity, and you know what I wanted to write, and I want to say to you? Yes, God will make you prosperous. He will give you prosperity as long as you let him define prosperity. Amen? You let him define prosperity, not you. God's not your magic genie. You, you decide what you want. You claim it, and then there's a, you let God define what prosperity is. I asked someone the other day who was helping me out with something. I said, hey, how can I pray for you? And they said, pray that I'll be a success. <laughs> I was like, "Woo, okay. What does success mean? Well, you know that I make money and that I can do this and here's all my dreams. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. How about this? Here's my definition of success. Success is being who God created you to be in each unique situation that you are in because he's almighty and he put you there. Success is doing something in such a way that when you give an account to God and later, what do you want him to hear? What do you want to hear him say? Well done what? That's it. That's success, y'all. Don't let the world define it. 
Almighty God wants to use you in mighty ways. So all went to be registered, each to his own town. So look what God did. He moved the mightiest people in the world. Can he still move the mightiest people in the world now? Yeah. I'm going to throw this out. Can he move Big Pharma? <laughs> yes. Can, can he move Fauci? <laughs> yes. Can he move? Well, who can he, who can he not move? Nobody. So anything that comes into your life, you better figure out how he wants you to have revival in that. Kathy, you're, getting, you're going through some stuff right now with radiation and things. Man, God wants glory out of that. Man, and we're praying for that for you. That's what God wants. God, if you think this is an accident, you think God's like, oh, oh no, I took a nap and something happened to Kathy. No. He's like, man, this is, I've ordained this for your life so you can follow me and give me glory in this. And praise God, that's what you've been doing, man. I'm so proud of you, my sister, in that. That's what it's about. That's success. So look what God did. He moved the greatest world leaders. And can he still do that? Absolutely. Next, look. All right, help me out. Help me out. Look what God did. Chuck, faster, man. Look what God did. Look what God did. Come on, one more time. Because you know what? I'm going to be out there. So look at my leg. All right. I'm going to be out there surfing. And when I'm out there, I'm going to go, look what God did. <laughs> All right. And I want you to know, look what God did. We're going to use this to encourage each other. That's right. Tiny. No, no, you're supposed to do it back to me, man. Come on, man. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, did you like the piece of firewood I gave you for Christmas? <laughs> I was the other day. Dude, look what God did. I can't wait to see when God's finished with it. I was going through my firewood, stacking it for Linda that I got, and I looked, and there was a piece of firewood, and it was the most beautiful curly inside that fire you saw the lines only Brandon wouldn't understand y'all are like y'all just need to get a hobby or something man but dude beautiful curly fiddleback maple lines and immediately God says give that to Brandon so we wrapped it up like a Tootsie Roll and gave it to him for Christmas man but guess what Brandon's going to put it on a lathe Brandon's going to do something with resin do something I, I can't wait to see what God does through that piece of wood that he told me to give you and through your creativity and what you're going to do with it. Whenever you get the time, brother, no hurry, no pressure. And I can't wait to see what he does. But always look what God did. Encourage each other. Look what God did. Man, we can always see what the devil's doing. We can always see what we're doing. We can all see failures, man. But man, just look what God did. So look what God did. Number one, he got, so number one, he got the world leaders. He was, they, they were pawns for him. But he got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Listen to this. How many of you ever traveled on the most crowded travel day of the year? Terry, you ever travel on a really crowded travel day? Yeah. So you can appreciate this. I thought about you when God put this in my heart. Do you understand what God did? Hey, Ian, how many people did God get moving under Caesar Augustus' edict? Do you think the whole world is moving right now at the airports? No, because y'all aren't. <laughs> y'all aren't. I saw a picture. Somebody said, oh, if you're planning on going to Orlando International Airport, this is what it looked like last night. And it was wall-to-wall -wall lights going both ways, coming into it. And that's not even the whole world. So he moved the whole world at this point. So who was moving? Everybody. Yeah, God, Kathy, you're right. God was moving. Amen. And God was moving. But God was moving the entire world. Think about that. 
Mary and Joseph weren't like on this little trail alone. Oh, I wish I'd known. They're, they're with everybody else. It might have been better if they were on the trail by themselves, right? But they're in the crowd. They are on Indian River Drive in snowbird season with snowbirds that don't realize it's not 25 on the drive anymore. I'm just saying. They're in downtown Stewart at Confusion Corner in snowbird season on steroids. I'm just saying. It's... You think of the most crowded situations you've been in. That is what it was like. And God had to get them. How many of y'all would say, God, you know, it's super crowded. Man, you guys go to get on, Emily, y'all go get on the interstate tomorrow morning, not at six in the morning, in the morning, right? Or is that the next day? Oh, it's tomorrow morning. Yeah, you go to get on the interstate and there's a line to get on the interstate. And when you get on the interstate, it's backed up. As far as you can see, I do not have the gift of prophecy, but I'm just saying, I'm looking at Skylar's face going, oh, please know Jesus. <laughs> how many of y'all would, how many of y'all, if it was that crowded, that backed up, you'd say, dude, I'm going home. Chris, your hand got to be up, man. I know you well enough. Chris, like, no, dude, I'm just going home, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was like. That's what it was like. Everybody in the world was literally moving at this point, and they had to go 75, 80 miles south on dirt roads, pretty much, and maybe riding a donkey. Do you think there are any complications if Mary was riding on a donkey and she's pregnant? What would she have to do like every two seconds? <laughs> probably empty your bladder all right joseph at first is like oh let me help you down dear you know and then help you back up and then it'd be like again <laughs> like dude just right up there go ahead man <laughs> you find again the complications god had to get them down there but god did it <clears throat> and when they got there it wasn't the most favorable conditions how many of you ever quit because the conditions weren't that favorable you just quit because it wasn't working out the way you thought it worked out. Or maybe it worked out exactly like you thought, Chris, and you're letting Tara know. I knew this was going to happen. He doesn't do that, does he, Tara? I knew this was going to. I told you, we don't go to the Jensen Mall on Friday night. You know, We just don't. No, you don't go here then. But look what God did. He got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem on the most crowded travel day of the year. Check this out. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, because Galilee was down low, had to go up over Jerusalem, that area, and, and then down again uh, from Nazareth to Judea, all right, which is outside of Jerusalem. It's kind of like a, like a bad neighborhood subdivision outside of, uh, outside of Jerusalem, a little further away, and it's called Bethlehem. And oh my goodness, does anybody here know what Bethlehem means? All right, Salma, what does Bethlehem mean? I know because you know everything. Yes, house of bread. All right, I told you I was going to pick on you too much more, but only a few more minutes. All right, but anyways, yeah, Bethlehem, because he was a house in lineage of David, look at this, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Man, they didn't quit. God somehow got, where'd they get the money? Where'd they get the money? Help me out, where'd they get the money? Steve, louder, sir, everybody can hear you. Yeah, maybe they didn't need money. How'd they get the strength? How'd they get the resources? Where did they get what they needed to do, what God wanted them to do, y'all? From God. That's why we live for an audience of one. 
We've gone over a lot of the details of this in the last few weeks of all of this. But he went with Mary, his betrothed. They were engaged. And, uh, oh, Kelly, by the way, your question about, you know, their intimacy, why they didn't have it till afterwards. Because literally when they got married or they got engaged, which was marriage, there it was. And then after about a year, the dude has been building the house. Oh, what was Mary's only one job, y'all? Yeah, not get pregnant. <laughs> Holy Spirit kind of messed that up for her, but he changed the job, right? And, and so it, 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 later, he was going to come back and get her. And so this pregnancy all happened right before all that could go down. So they, hadn't, they really didn't do that by consummating the marriage until that wedding ceremony. And so it was in the middle of that. So that's where they're at. She's great with child. They haven't had their marriage finalized, even though it was, it was legal at this point. So to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And who was the child, y'all? What's the name? What's his other name? I'll give you a hint. It begins with G and ends with O-D. What's his name? He is God. Jesus is God. So who's really orchestrated? Who's really got uh, an interest? Who's got a dog in the fight to get Mary and Joseph down to Bethlehem? God. What's his other name? Jesus, Jesus is, is, is got a, yeah, God Almighty is orchestrating all of this to get it so God can be born in Bethlehem. So again, look what God has done. Check out this. Look at this. Again, help me out. You all ready? Dave, 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 man, come on, man. I, I, I want to see it. I want to see quickness, speed, lightning, man. Ready? Look what God's done. All right. Chuck, look what God's done. All right, good, good, good. On count of three, everybody. One, two, three. Yeah, seriously, I want to see y'all like on India. I want to see. I want. I want to see y'all doing this, man. Send me videos. Send me reels. I want to see reels instead of the junk I get on reels. I want reels on Facebook of you guys doing this. All right, because you're looking at what God has done, what God did on Christmas Day, is giving you the privilege of being to continually being able to see what God is continually doing. So look what God did also. How about this? God found the perfect place for his son to be born. Dude, think about it. The, what, what resources does God have? All resources. God, God can, he's already controlled the biggest world leader there is. He's got little Mary and Joseph with no money. She's pregnant. She's met all the way 70, 80 miles down. I mean, he can control things on all aspects, can't he? Right? So, man, he could have had his son born anywhere he chose to have his son born. He could have been at the best hospitals you could imagine. Actually, I remember when y'all were pregnant and stuff. And it was like, oh, we went and visited the maternity room. And, we, and they had such nice cup holders in the delivery room. And, you know, they all checking out the hospital and looking all. God could have had his son born anywhere. But watch this. And while they were there. The time came for her to give birth. By the way, who, who, hey, hey Russ, who, who decided your birthday, bro? Yes, good. God, yeah, see, I told you it's easy, man. It's always God. And it's not just here. When, when, when life gives you a question, I'm giving you all questions. I'm training you for life. So life just, here we are, Russ. All right, life gives you a question. What's the answer? It's God. Do you understand that? That is always the answer. It's God. He's the answer to everything. It's not just me in here. 
You know, it's life. Whatever hits you, God, because he's orchestrated it all for his glory and our good. And the good is us becoming more like him. And while they were there, the time came forth for her to give birth. Who decided when Jesus' birthday was? God, you guys all should be on the Marley. You cannot throw your hands up like that. Who decided when God was going to be born? God. Yes, he decided everything. Everything. Always. It's always God. So while they were there, God decided it's time. Whether it was the 25th of December or not, we don't know any of all of this stuff. I'm not going to get into all of about Christmas, but the fact is, is that while they were there, it was time for her to give birth. She was great with child in this. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a what? So the swaddling clothes was a normal thing, right? The swaddling clothes was a normal thing. And uh, uh, just, you know, you wrap babies up tight in blankets right now. Uh, and, and for the same reason, all this. But how many of y'all, when your baby was born, did you lay him in a feeding trough? How many of y'all, I know some of y'all love your dogs as much as humans, right? But so how many of y'all, if you had a baby, you would lay him in the dog bowl? <laughs> Nobody here? You wouldn't lay him in a dog bowl? Are you telling me that's not the best place for your child to be born and laid is in the dog bowl? Well, that's what God chose for Jesus, the feeding trough, because it only goes up from there. Laying him in the manger, man, having him see, be seen by the man, the shepherds who are socially unacceptable, which we'll get to in a minute. All of this, who has access to Christ? Who's he telling us? Everyone, everyone. And so in this, swaddling clothes laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the what? All right, so here it is. You've seen the You've seen the, uh, the, the stories, right? Joseph, like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, I have reservations. It's in Detroit, right? And, like, you remember your Detroit trip, Terry? Middle of the night. Oh, yeah, I have reservations. I'm supposed to have, like, a triple queen-size, king-size bed with a little massager, and it doesn't cost me a quarter and whatever. No, I'm just, I got, I got the best room in town. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but there's no room for you. And it's like, go to the next one. Hey, I got a room, man, here. No, no, no room for here. Because who's moving in? Who's got moving? Who? The entire world's moving. Man, Ashley. Oh, Ashley left. She had, you had, oh, there you are. Oh, I knew I'd find you. But anyways, so yeah. You know what this was like? This was like trying to find a campsite at a state park campground during snowbird season. I'm just saying. You got to get it years in advance, right? To be able to get it. They couldn't. There was no place. And this word in is not talking about a motel. It, there are words that they had to describe in the Greek, like more like a hotel, motel type scenario that they had. Places where people could go and pay and sleep in a room or sleep inside. This is more like a county park, y'all. <laughs> this is more like a public place. There was no place. That's what this word in is referring to. It was a public place where, where people like just, it's like a rest area on this, on, on I-95, right? Can you imagine Mary being pregnant, great with child, ready to, yeah, I'm talking to you, Selma, don't look over there, man, but talk, pregnant, man, just ready to bust, and Joseph, he's been knocking on doors trying to get in the good hotels, and, and they're at a rest area, and they're walking by, and all of a sudden, says, oops, my water broke. <laughs> can you imagine, women? JT, can you imagine? Dude, there they are, JC Park, bro, without the playground, I'm just saying. <laughs> can you imagine? I'm the most, because it, who's God moving in? 
the entire world. So is this playground pretty crowded? Yeah. Do you think all the pavilions are taken? Yeah. There were places where, dude, it was a county park. And there it was, water breaks. Hey, who decided it was time for water to break? Anna. Anna. Is it Anna or Anna? Because there's an Anna back there. You, no, no. All right. So let's make her Anna and you're and Anna. Okay. Anna. Who decided it was time for God's, for Mary's water to break? Yes. Who decided? God. Yes. Sometimes if you really want, man, to feel it, you got to throw it up with some authority and just say, God, you know, that encourages you when you can put it up other than it's God, right? So who did it? God, yes, I have heard your voice. You can project much louder than that. All right, good. God did it. God chose for her water to break in the middle of J.C. Park. Abby, would you think that if you had access to all the resources, you had all the company resources, Terry, and your company credit card, is that where you would want your wife, if she was here, <laughs> to, to deliver a baby? No. But God had all the resources. Why did God do this? Why did God choose it? This is a good, another good question because I already told you the answer to every question in life is what? Hey, Ralph, the answer to every question is throw the arm in, buddy. Throw the arm in. Come on, man. Ralph, that's you. Yeah, it's God. Yes. That is the, the answer to every question in life whenever you have one is God. But check this out. This is another great answer. This will solve a lot of your problems. Why did God choose to have Mary's water break and Jesus delivered his son, God Almighty, delivered in a county park? Why? Anybody? This is not brain surgery. This is easy. Why do you choose most of the things you choose? Why do you choose it? What are you going to order on a menu today? Or what are you going to do? You got a buffet. Why are you picking that? Why are you picking that one thing? Because that's what you want. So here it is. Why does God, why did he choose to have Mary's water break and Jesus born the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in a county park on the most crowded day? This is 4th of July at Pepper Park. I'm just saying, any old Fort Pierce, you know what I'm talking about, right? Man, they got a music blasting. They got everything going, barbecues going, everything. And there's Mary. Why did God choose that? Because he what? Because he wanted to. Well, how do, why does he get to choose what? Why does he get to choose what he wants? Yeah, he's God. He made you. You're clay on a wheel. He can make you anything he wants. He gets to choose to do whatever he wants with what he made. And we're rewarded if by through faith we submit to the mission that he has for our life. Amen? Hey, Ian, so why did God... Why does God do anything in your life? It's what he wants. If he chooses that for your life, is there anything better? No. Do you ever think there is? Oh, yeah. And you're wrong. <laughs> it's, be it's better. He does what he wants to do. So two great, awesome things to know. Number one, you got an issue. You got a question. The answer is what? It's God. Number two, when God does whatever he does, why does he do it? Because he wants to. And he made you, and he has that prerogative. 
So man, before you start getting down on what God's doing, because it's not what you want doing, look at all the things he is doing that you don't even think about. That's why we always say when you're grateful, everything is what? Yeah. So she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in the manger, a feeding trough. Why did God put him in a feeding trough? Thank you. You guys are getting down to these answers, man. These will save your life. This is really what it's about. Because there was no place for him in the inn. Is that really why? They put him in a, God put him in a manger because there was no place in the inn. Is that really why? No, it's because. Who do you think made it all crowded where he couldn't get a reservation? God. Yeah, God did. God's in charge. It's not about getting what you want. It's wanting what you get, knowing who it is that's given it to you. And knowing he's got a purpose, man, it might be to make me more like Christ. But as Terry says in small groups often, it might be so that other people can see your faith and they can grow by watching your faith. But again, it all happens because God wants it done that way. So look at the last one. Look what God did. (laughs) And don't miss this because this is the most important one. Look what God did. He came to be our Savior. So why did God send a Savior? You guys are getting it. Who? Why did God send the, Ian, why did God send us a Savior? Because he wanted to. And you needed one. Right? He knew you needed one. And he wanted to send one. And the Savior was him. Check this out, man. He came to be our Savior. In the same region, out between Bethlehem and kind of Jerusalem, there were shepherds in the field. They were keeping keeping watch over their flock by night. You know, you probably know songs about that and stuff. Um, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. So far, we've had an angel come come to Zechariah. Nothing in 400 years. 400 years, man, God's been not given any new revelation. Boom, to Zechariah. What did Zechariah do? He got scared, and what did the angel say? Yeah, don't be afraid. What does everybody say when they see an angel, y'all? Come on, man, show me your way. What do they say? Matthew, I know you're more noisy than that. What do you say, Matthew? If you saw an angel, what would you do right now? There you go. And that's a mild-mannered man right there. All right. Yeah, everybody's scared. Because when you see an angel who is holy and pure and just came from the presence of Almighty God, we have our idea on what's holy. How many of y'all think you are holier than somebody in here? Oh, you wouldn't even dare raise your hand, would you? How many of you ever felt like you were more holy than somebody out there? Have you ever been, oh, look at me. <laughs> Don't lie to me because your flesh wants to do it. We compare us with other people. And whenever you find yourself doing that, you need to compare yourself to the shepherd who is perfect. Amen? But man, when you see an angel who truly is holy and righteous and just left the presence of God, you realize how what you are, how dirty you are. You may be clean compared to all the other sheep, but compared to God Almighty, compared to the holy angels that are in his presence, you are filthy. You're filthy. And you go, oh, oh. God Almighty, dude, you're way cleaner than I thought. There's no way I could ever do anything to get into heaven on my own. There's no way I could ever offer you anything. In fact, Isaiah, you know what he told Isaiah? When he called, I said, oh, no, man, you, know, you got to clean my mouth up. It's messed up. And, 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 and you know what he told Isaiah? He said, take just your righteous deeds. I want to 
you'd hear this. Take just your best things you have ever done in your entire life and offer them up to God. And what does he say to, what he say to Isaiah they were? Filthy rags. And for those of you who don't know, that was women's used menstrual rags. That's what your best offerings to God actually are according to the book of Isaiah. And you think you can get in the presence of God? You think you've got more of a right to get in the presence of God than somebody else? No, dude, the only reason any of us can even get in the presence of God is because of who? And why did he live in his presence? Because he wanted to. That's why he sent Jesus. We needed a savior. Why did God send you a savior, Ian? Because he wanted to and because you needed one yeah did ian need a savior y'all oh my goodness if anybody in the family would we say that but no the most pristine one your most righteous deeds are like filthy rags we all needed a savior we needed to be clean by god almighty and an angel of the lord appeared to him in the glory of the lord the glory that's the glory we're talking about that purity that oh, Shown round about them. Forget about your righteous deeds. Forget about how holy you think you are. Forget about how good you are in, in your sight compared to everybody else. Man, all of a sudden, you now see yourself in light of who holy, righteous God is. And they were filled with what? What happens when everybody sees an angel? Ah! They were afraid. And, and what does the angel always say? <laughs> don't be afraid. It's got to be an angelic game they play. I promise. <laughs> How many of y'all, if you were an angel, you'd play that game? You'd be like, oh, Terry would be like, yeah, let me, okay, watch this. Look at it. There's a little virgin right there, and I'm going to like, ah! <laughs> oh, don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah. And they're always afraid. And they say, don't be afraid. It's too late. I've got to change my tunic. All right, but and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were filled with great fear. We've not seen anything. There was Zechariah, then Mary saw an angel, then Joseph saw one in a dream, and now this is the fourth appearance. Boom, man. Might still be Gabriel. We don't know, but they're filled with great fear. Look at this. And the angel said to him, fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news. The gospel's good news. Hey, if you wanted to share... Uh, if you had good news, if you had really good news, like you've got things we're praying about, that'd be good news if God answered those prayers, right? Would you want to share them with people? Yeah. How many of you, Chuck, if you had some really, really good news, my knee is like I was when I was 30. Yes. And I can go serve big waves again, just flawlessly. Would that be good news? Would you tell anybody about it? Yeah. So how many of y'all, if you have good news, you'd be stoked to tell people about it? Yeah. Why don't we tell people about the good news? Because I think the world gets in the way and our flesh gets in the way. And we don't see it as the good news that it is. And that's kind of what we're doing at Christmas is to, re to be able to reminisce and look back and see how good the good news is. It's about Christ. It's Ian, you were a filthy mess, man, like filthy rags. You can't get into God even with your best works. And he sent a savior. And by the way, Ian, who did you need to be saved? What did you need to be saved from? Or who did you need to be saved from? Yeah, everybody help me out. What's the answer to every question? Who do you need to be saved from? Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that. Sin, yeah, sin deserves wrath. The wrath of God. Nobody can survive it. Except Christ on the cross from 12 to 3. 
Sin deserved, that's the penalty, is wrath. Emily, could you sur survive the wrath of God? So who did you need to be saved from, y'all? God, the wrath of God. God saved you from his own wrath by taking the wrath from himself that was, that was give, supposed to be for you. Yeah, he took your whooping, man. Your sister ever take a whooping for you? Or they just let you get your own, man? <laughs> take your own punishment. No, I ain't bailing you out this time, man. Oh, no. How you like? Oh, I'll, no, I'll take his punishment for him. Ever happen? Golly, you need to get saved. No, I'm just joking. I'm messing with you. But yeah, that's what Christ did. He took a whooping. And the angel said to him, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. This is great news. If it's great news, man, we are supposed to share it, but we're only going to share it if we actually see it as great news. But the world clouds all of this up. That's why we need to be refocused again for Christmas. I bring you good news of great joy that will be, that will be available to who? All people. Everybody. Everybody who has the desire. Well, what about that tribe in Africa? You know what? If they have a desire, according to Romans 1, God says he's going to reveal himself to everyone. Not enough for salvation, but he's going to reveal that there's a God. And if you know that there's a God and there's bigger than you and you are willing to submit to him, you tell him, I want to submit. I want to know more about you. I want to know more. And, and he will reveal himself to the point of salvation. But if you don't want to know about him, if you don't want to know about him and you don't want to submit him, you have two other choices. You can create your own God, which is what Romans 1 says we do, or you can just blow God off, period. But if you want to know who the real God is and submit to him, he will reveal himself to you. So man, fear not, I bring you good news, great joy that will be for who? Anyone that wants it. So anybody who doesn't get saved, why don't they give their life to Christ? Because they don't want to. They don't want to. Anybody that wants to give their life to Christ, what is Christ going to do with that for us? He's going to accept it. Nobody who comes to him and says, man, I want you to be my Savior. I want to submit my life to you. He doesn't reject anyone. He takes everyone. So if someone doesn't get saved, it's not God's fault. They don't want to. They want to continue being the boss of their own life. And they do it. So, fear not, but I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Almost done here. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which that's, uh, that's Bethlehem, where the only other famous person born in Bethlehem was David, a Savior. And again, uh, I don't know if you were listening over there, Salma. I, I think you were. But who do you need to be saved from? Yes, from God. So you need a savior. Every single person needs to be saved from God's wrath. Who is Christ? David, you're born today as the savior. Who is Christ? What does Christ mean? Messiah, anointed one. There was only going to be one of those. And every, how long have they been waiting for a savior? Who are the first people told that, that there was going to be a savior? Adam and Eve. Yeah. They've been waiting a long time. Why did they miss him? This is going way back further on the other end of the story. You know why they missed them? Because they were looking for a savior of their own making. Kind of like it's hard to hear from God if you, if you already know what you want him to say. It's hard to, it's hard to grab a savior if you already know what you want him to be. Hey, if you're, if you're ill, if you're sick, 
you're dying because you're sick. What kind of Savior do you want? One that does what? One that heals you. If you're broke, what kind of Savior do you want? One that's going to give me some cash, right? If you're oppressed from Assyria and Babylon and Medo-Persia and Persia and Greece and now Rome with an iron fist that they're ruling by, what kind of Savior do you want? One that's going to free you from that oppression. This is why we need to read the entire word of God so that we don't pigeonhole God into being what we think he needs to be. Is there anything in scripture about a, about a suffering servant, about someone coming to be a sacrifice for us? Yeah, go look at Isaiah 53. It's clear. How did they miss that? The same way we miss stuff, because you find what you look for. You know what I'm looking for? Hey, who, who, who should we be looking for? Oh, wait, Donna, I have not seen your arm go up this whole time, man. And there we go. Yes, come on, one more time, man. Just give it to me like, like you mean it, sister. Come on, man. Who should we be looking for? God. Oh, two hands. Oh, y'all learn from her, man. Woo! All right. For unto you born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. Lord means boss. He's in charge. Ken, you're in charge of Vital Electrics, aren't you? You're the boss. Well, Jordan's like, oh, yeah. He's looking over at Jordan. No, Jordan's in charge. Who's in charge, man? God, yes, thank you. Amen. He's in charge. And he's in charge of everything. Look at that. That's who we got at Christmas. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. That was kind of normal. But he's going to be lying in the dog bowl <laughs> he's going to be lying in the feeding trough that was a very unique thing that's how you'll know and that's why god does things like that hey where was the best place for jesus to be born in in the county park and be laid in a dog bowl in the in the feeding trough because why, why was that the best place he in that's what God chose. That's what God wanted, right? Yeah, that's why it was. It was the best place. So you'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in this manger. And suddenly, this is good. Y'all don't miss this, all right? And I'm not going to be singing the hallelujah chorus or anything like that. I know y'all wouldn't want to miss that. But, and suddenly, there was with the angel, there was one angel telling them all this. Look at this. A what? A multitude, the biggest number they had was like 10,000 or whatever, a myriad, whatever. But there was a multitude of heavenly hosts. What were they doing? They were praising God and what? So were they singing? No. It doesn't say they were singing. In fact, why do we believe they were singing this? Because that's what Handel's Messiah does. And I think it's downgraded things a bit. Because... You don't see the value in this situation when you all of us joining them is this myriad of angels and it's a giant choir all singing Handel's Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus. Watch this. Anywhere else in Scripture, look who it is. A multitude of the heavenly what? Everywhere else in Scripture, when you see a heavenly host, what is it? Is it a choir or is it an army? It's an army. The heavenly host is an army. It's not a choir, it's an army. As, what, everywhere you see it in scripture, it is. So a mult, So here it is. We always see, oh, hallelujah, whatever. My mom loved to sing one night. She was doing Santa Claus stuff. She woke the whole house up singing, handled Messiah. 
we thought we were in heaven, dude. We woke up like, what? You know, I'll never forget that to this day. But that's why we think it's a, it's a, tell me this. So it's a choir coming out. Hallelujah. As opposed to an army marching in. There was with the angel an army bigger than you can count. And they're praising God. Look what this army's saying, guys. Glory to God. Glory. This is what glory is right here, all right? Glory to God in the highest. <clears throat> How long have the angels been with God? Since he created them, all right? He's been since they created them, right? They're not eternal beings, but they, they've been with God longer than you. They've been closer to God than you. One day we'll be closer than them, but right now they've been closer than you. And so Dude, they're they're perfect. They don't sin, so they don't need a redeemer. But they saw man sin, and they're like, God, these people are going to hell because they don't realize how holy you are, and that's sin, and you can't look on sin. You've got to sin to save. They knew the Savior was coming. And so they've been watching man mess up forever. How many of y'all ever watched somebody mess up forever and finally give their life to Christ? Anybody ever seen that? Yeah. You saw it in the mirror, didn't you? (laughs) yeah that's what the angels saw they've watched humanity mess up god's creation mess themselves up they've watched them not trust god now they're more excited than anybody because they know more than anybody that man needs a what what do you need ian a savior yes to be saved from who and why did he send you one because he loves you and he wanted to amen That's what Christmas is about. So, man, glory to God in the highest. Dude, you don't... I'll translate glory to God in the highest. Dude, you don't understand how awesome this is. That's what they're saying. You don't understand how awesome of a gift this is. Oh, my goodness. Rip it open. You need it. This is the... I've been in heaven. I know what's really going on. And I know what you guys really need. And we've been waiting for this. And, man, the day is finally here. And, boom, the Messiah is here. You guys need him so bad. Glory to God in the highest. He is finally provided in the fullness of time. And he says, on earth, peace. There's going to be peace. Listen to this. Not everywhere. But it's among those with whom God is pleased. What is the only thing God ever praises a human being for? I'll give you a hint. It begins with F and ends with eighth. <laughs> What's the only thing he ever praises people for? Faith. Yeah, so look at this. It's not peace to the whole world. In fact, you get saved, there's going to be a lot of non-peace in your world. But you'll have peace. And who are you going to have peace with? All right, on the count of three, tell me who you're going to have peace with when you get saved. One, two, three. God. Donna, you you didn't even, man, you went from this to this, man. Who are you going to have peace with, Donna? Okay, God, yes, <laughs> with God. They, they know you need that, and they know what God's capable of. In his wrath, they know what you deserve. And he says, man, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, you have a chance to have peace by accepting this. You have peace among those with whom God is pleased, and God is pleased with faith. God is pleased with those who believe him, but they need a Savior, and that Jesus is him. So, wrapping this up, everybody help me out. We're almost done. Look what God did. All right, you knew I was going to call you if you didn't do it, right, Selma, man? I, I haven't picked on jewels all day. Let me see your quick, like, boom. 
You got it? All right, good, 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 good. On, you know, when they're rowing, Terry, and some spectacular happens, they look at you, go, just so they don't get cocky and think they did it themselves, right? I'm just saying. Man, what about when Sterling was playing ball? Man, wouldn't it have been cool to have that little hand signal? Coaches, man, don't they give all these like, you know, you know, this is our hand signal. Look what God did. Look what God is doing right now. So look what God did. God turned the entire world upside down so his word would be true. Just so that his word would be true. Look what else what, look else what God did. God got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem on the most crowded travel day of the year. Man, y'all live in that tomorrow as y'all are traveling. You got cheap tickets, but it might, I don't know. Now, I'm praying that you will just have a peaceful, easy, find a park. Y'all pray they get a parking spot for their vehicle. Did you get one yet? Oh, you did? Okay, don't pray for that then. But pray they have a, man, and, and, and if everything goes just, per, if everything goes crazy, would you still? Yeah. I wanna, I'd love to see. Can, can you send me a little reel or something of Skylar doing this? Maybe. <laughs> Look what God did. I want you to recognize what God is constantly doing. But yeah, the most try to travel day, he got him there. Then look what God did. God found the perfect place for his son to be born. Ashley, do things ever work out perfect the way you would like them to work out? So why did they work out? Why did your plans fail? Because God wanted them to. And God's plans, we don't know eternity. God's, as hard as that is for our plans to fail, what should we be, what should we be doing with God when our plans fail? Knowing his plans are way better than ours, what should we be doing when our plans fail? Yeah. Y'all say this with me real quick. Thank you, God, for letting my plans fail. How does, does that roll off your tongue real easy? Terry, can you say that? How does that feel? Ooh, it's tough, isn't it? But man, we would have so much less anxiety if we really felt that, if we had faith and believed it. Woo, God, thank you for not letting my plans succeed. Thank you, God, for making my plans fail. Because he's a big enough God to make them work out instantly if he chose to. And we might not find out till the other side, but he's that big and he's that awesome and we can trust him. This is what needs to happen. Last but not least, look what God did. He, God, don't you ever let the world diminish who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Amen? That's a basic tenet of Christianity that in order for there to be a one world religion, to go with a one world economy and a one world government in the tribulation period, they will have to take Christ out of Christianity. And they can't have him be God. That messes it all up. So you watch the world. They're trying to do it. And God's going to allow them to do it. But you know in your heart that Jesus is who? Jesus is who? No more hands. No more hands. Are you tired, Donna? You're just tired? No more hands. You just can't throw. Jesus is, is God. <laughs> right? I'm just picking on you because I, I love to see you smile there. All right. But look what God did, man. He came, to, he came to be our Savior because we needed one. Jesus is God. One day, every one of us is going to stand before him. This shirt that I'm wearing right here, and you see these signs around here. This black represents the sin that I came into this world with. 
I came into this world born from Adam. Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned, they now, all of their offspring, according to Genesis chapter 5, was now created in their image. Not God's image, but in God. You can look at Genesis 5, it says they were created in God's image, but their offspring after the fall, they were created in Adam and Eve's image. And in, and, and in, and in, in Romans, it tells us that as for, wherefore as what, by one man's sin, that's Adam, Sin got passed on to all men, so death came by sin. In other words, we learn in Romans that everybody, when you come in the world, you are in Adam's family. You know you are. Even little babies are in it because they die. He said that's what happens when you are in sin. If you're born a sinner, you sin and you die. Those are two things that happen to sinners, and we're born in Adam's family. There's nothing you can do about where you're born. But what you can do is you can change the family that you live the rest of this life in. You can be born again. Now when you're born again, you have the ability to be able to mimic God. You have ability to represent God and be his icon again. Sin distorts it. Sin's like that weird mirror at the funhouse. It doesn't look so righteous, but now you can. That's what he did at Christmas. He made it possible for you to be born again so that when you get born again, the old man that you were born with dies and you're a new creation in Christ and you're going to be perfect like him one day you'll have an eternity in heaven and while you're here you'll have his Holy Spirit living in you so you can walk and represent him and bring him glory through that so if you've never given your life to Christ if you have never even thought about it like why do I need to be saved well you need to be saved from God's wrath because you've sinned but Christ took your wrath on the cross, he wants to offer you his righteous life and take your sinful life. He wants to save you. What a great Christmas present. It was Christmas at 87, I got saved. What a great Christmas present. If you're not sure where you're going when you die, it would be like driving around the streets of some foreign city. If you don't know where you're going, you're lost. You don't know where you're going eternally, you might be lost. But if God's giving you a desire He's giving you the ability to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him. Is there anybody here who's done that and wish they hadn't? How many of y'all wish you'd done it sooner? Yeah, everybody. So I'm just telling you, if you're here today, give your life to Christ. Man, that's, that's what Christmas is about. It's the greatest Christmas present I ever had. If you already have him for Christmas, enjoy the gift. Enjoy it because you have eternal life. That's a quality of life you can have right now that's going to last forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thank you for knowing what we need. It's so hard to pick out gifts for somebody sometimes. But Father, you know everything. You can do anything and you are everywhere and you picked out the perfect gift for humanity. Father, I am so grateful that you are the answer to everything and through the gift we receive at Christmas, through having Christ, Father, we can ask you. We can have instant access. We don't have to bust through a curtain with bells on our garments and risk you not accepting our sacrifice and killing us because we're unworthy. We have Christ. We can come to you at any point in time. Help us do that. Help us look to you as the final solution, the only solution always, knowing that the answer is always God. Father, help us when things don't necessarily go our way or we don't understand things. Help us to understand that's the way you choose. And since we're 
clay on a potter's wheel. Since we're a servant to God Almighty, it's not really our choice. Help us to submit, which means to line up under the mission you have for our life in each season. Father, help us to truly develop an intimacy with you through Christ. Father, I'm so grateful to know that I have a home in heaven. One day you're going to glorify me and I'm going to be just like Christ. But right now I got a long way to go. You can see that on my drive in from Indian River Drive. So Father, I pray that that's what you do with all of us as believers, that you would just continue to sanctify us. Help us to not forget these silly little worship aerobics. Help us to do things where we can constantly be looking to see what you're doing. Help us see life from your perspective so we can help others see it that way. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.